Hey guys, welcome to Tone Talk with Mark Uzanski and Dave Friedman. How you, how's everybody doing? Dave, how are you? I'm good today. Good hey. to hear. <laughs> do, you, do you want to tell us who our uh, special guest is tonight? Well, our special guest is Mr. Steve Stevens uh, from uh, many endeavors, but mostly you'll know him from Billy Idol. And uh, I'm sure you guys know who he is. Otherwise, you wouldn't be tuning in. <laughs> how you doing, Steve? I'm thanks good. I'm good. Yeah, thanks for having me. And Dave's one of those guys you just can't say no to. So here I am. <laughs> <laughs> He's per- persuasive. Yeah. We like well, I, gen- I generally don't say no either. <laughs> yeah, this is true. This is- can, you, can you do this for me real quick? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. The hell, you guys go back a, wh- a long time, right? At yeah. least. 20 years. I, I met Dave when I first moved to Los Angeles. So that's 22 years, maybe. Probably. Maybe longer, even. Possibly. Probably, yeah, maybe longer. Maybe. I don't remember the exact year. <clears throat> yeah. I remember we made a pedal board for you. The first thing. Right. right. And, and this and, is, and you were yeah. rehearsing in, in, in at, I think, what's his name's uh, McGrath Studio. Oh, wow. Uh, 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 in over in Venice or somewhere over Marina del Rey, weird right. studio. Yes, exactly. That, that was some of the early I remember. Yes, that's right. Something and, like that, or auditioning drummers, or something. Or although that was a little later, I think. Okay. I don't know. Now, how did how, how did you guys hook up? How how did it actually happen? Like who wow. who made the connection? I don't even remember. I don't I don't know who I, I can't remember who introduced <laughs> Dave to me. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I, I don't know. Yeah. That's a, that's a good question, but (laughs) I remember the first, yeah, I do. I do remember the first time meeting Dave. He was the first guy um, on the technical side, the amp side who understood about keeping things rock and roll and keeping the, the, you know, the integrity of your original guitar sound. So I was re- really adamant. I said, look, no matter what you do for me, if it doesn't sound like plugging my guitar straight into the amp, I'm not interested. And, and, <laughs> and Dave said, yeah, well, why would we want to use anything if it doesn't sound like your original guitar? And I went, yeah, you'd be surprised how many people don't get that. <laughs> and um, so we, you know, we, uh, we had a, a mutual um, journey you know, we, we wanted to keep uh, what I already had, you know, guitar-wise. And I, I, I'm still using my old Plexis, I believe, at that time. Mm. No, I think that was a, just, just you had switched already to PV? 5150s. Yeah. Okay, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, and I, I did that out of necessity because my amps weren't roadworthy anymore. But I was, <clears throat> I was still recording with the... Uh, I th- you know, combination of that, that one old Plexi that I have Mm -hmm. and the 5150s. And one of the first things you helped me, uh, we went in to do the, the soundtrack to speed, the, the Billy Idol had done the uh, title tune for that. And you Mm -hmm. had helped, helped me get my amps together and stuff. And, uh, and, uh, and I was like, Oh, this is, this is cool. You know, this, this guy knows what he's doing. (laughs) And onward. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah. And, then, and then at some point I said, 
we talked about a rack and you, you were hesitant about doing a rack um, because in the past it always had been a um, coloration of your tone like you were talking about a minute ago. And, yeah. and I'm like, well, no, I can do it. If, if I don't do it, you, can't, you don't have to pay for it. Right. Something like that, I think I said. It was a, yeah, it was a good deal. <laughs> thank, thank, thank God that worked out. Yeah. Well, in, in the end, yeah. it wasn't that good of a deal. You had to pay for it. Yeah, but, you know, it was worth it. W worth every, every cent. And, uh, and um, by and large, the, 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 you know, the, the system I'm still using is, uh, is still an extension of that. You know, we've changed things over the years and amps. And yeah, now but it's the same. Yeah, it's the yeah. same rack, same thing. Conceptually, so, yeah. it's the same yeah. thing, yeah. And just for people who are watching, we're not talking about the rack that's behind you, Steve, or are we? No, this is a, this is my home studio, so that's all outboard gear, and uh, mm -hmm. my uh, my guitar gear is kept over in the locker. Gotcha. Okay, that's cool. So you guys have known a long time, and then of course, once Dave, once you started your own line of amplifiers, and you did the uh, signature line with Steve, right? Well, it kind of started. It started first. Um, I was doing some amps with um, Roy Blankenship. Um, right. This was many, many hmm. years ago, and and I think it came up. I think I was telling Steve. I go, you know, really, what you're the the tone that you are known for is that Marshall kind of plexi tone, and and I think you were trying a bunch of amps at the time, and yeah, and and. I'm like, well, you, but it's not, you want, you need that tone. That was what you're known for. Yeah, you know, yeah. so many guitar players over the years, I find, move away from a, a sound that was their, Originally there. their mm -hmm. original sound, you know, and, um, and they move quite too far away from it, uh, as we know, and with more gain and more gain and more gain. Yeah. And, and, and oh, it ruins it, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you know, a, a vintage Marshall is not the easiest amp to play through. Once, once, and it's not the easiest amp to record. So, you know, it, I think I was, I remember one day we brought in every new amp on mm -hmm. the planet. We spent a day, uh, speaker cabinets, amps, and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and that really kind of told me what, uh, you know, okay, I do, I do want a, a plexi style amp with the option to have more gain and more bottom end to, to live in the modern world. Uh, but essentially that percussive, um, saturated Marshall type sound is, is still what, you know, what I hear in my head. Um, you know, primarily the, 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 you know, as Billy Idol's guitar player, I spend a lot of time playing rhythm guitar. It's a real important part of my tone. So, uh, you know, if you add too much gain to that and, and, and too much distortion and stuff, rhythm just sounds horrible, you know. So uh, Dave was help, helpful in, in getting me uh, kind of on the right track with an amp that could do both, you know, have a great lead sound, um, you know, great rhythm guitar sound. And, and also we added the second channel for the super clean stuff uh, that I occasionally need for things like Flesh for Fantasy and, and some of the, you know, more pop-oriented Billy Idol stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was no, no small task to, to put all of that. He d Dave did it, but it was definitely, a, you know, couldn't have been easy to put all that into one amp. 
Yeah, well, he did a great job because that amp is amazing, as most as all your amps are. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, especially I've seen. If anybody wants to check it out, also they can go online and and see like a rig rundown of your stuff, Steve. You know, so we we don't have to run through all that tonight. But um, yeah, so I know I've watched it and it's pretty cool. But Steve, just right off the top of my head, I'm thinking. So what have you been up to? I know you you have you had some time off because you were in Europe for a while, right? I did a yeah. We, uh, I went over to Europe and did a solo tour with uh, Frankie Perez, singer who I've worked with. Uh, a number of years, and uh, Uriah Duffy, who's an incredible bass player, Michael Bennett on drums, and um, second guitar player was a guy named Ben Woods, who's uh, a flamenco guitar player, and because mm. um, a lot of my, uh, you know, my 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 my, my uh, set, I didn't want just to, to be another shred guitar player out there. There's guys that do that and do that great, but you know, I've done a flamenco style record and wanted to have uh, some of that represented in my live show. So um, I brought Ben with me and uh, it turned out really well. It was enjoy- number one, it was, it was enjoyable. Um, and uh, we're planning on doing more of those shows, bringing, bringing that show to the States. Um, and uh, as well as, you know, my, obviously my, my, my first call is always Billy Idol stuff. We've done a, uh, a residency at Vegas at the House of Blues. So uh, we're back there in October to resume that. And um, there's talk of us doing that uh, next year as well. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. I'm going to be in Vegas in December, but I know you're not going to be playing around that time. Not just. Uh, yeah, yeah. But that's awesome. That's super cool. And are you going to be doing any recording with the, uh, with the band? Yeah. I mean, that's uh, Frankie and I just throwing ideas around and sending each other things and um, just starting to talk to a couple of producers about, uh, you know, what direction to go in and how, how to do this thing. So, um, and it'll, you know, I mean, for me, you know, I've been making records for 35 years, so I'm always looking to do something uh, that's going to challenge me, um, you know, and, and, uh, and get my rocks off. So, uh, so I think, you know, I think, uh, the next record will be different than anything that I've done previously, which should be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be more, more, sorry, Dave, go ahead. No, no, I, I, I think, I think at this point, and this seems to be in this day and age of making music, uh, it's like, you need make something, whatever you want to make. Yeah. I mean, because you might as well make what you're happy with because still, even if you make something that is what someone thinks is going to be the right thing, the general public just, you know, people are going to buy the record because it's you doing it and you'll have a lot of your fans buy the record, but you may, but they're going to be really interested if you do something really interesting. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's great, but it's also dangerous because no longer do you have these massive uh, record budgets where you have an A&R guy breathing down your neck, making sure that the label recoups the, ma- you know, huge quantities of money they gave you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you, but now you're left up to your own, uh, you got to be your own policeman. As, yeah. as don't crawl up your own butt and still do music that's, that's, uh, that's entertaining, you know? Yeah. 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 That's when, that's when you, you, you ask people around you, is this any good? Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't tell anymore. 
And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm spoiled. I'm still, I still come from the old school of get in a room, a, a proper recording room and, and record, you know, real instruments, you know, done the right way. And uh, I'm just not into the home, rec- you know, I, this is a writing room. This is, it begins and ends with writing here. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I certainly don't want to put something out that sounds like it was recorded in somebody's bedroom. You know, I've just, I, I grew up on the records that, uh, you know, they, they, they stand the test of time because they really, uh, people took the time and energy and, and, and proper uh, gear to make them sound that way. So it'll be done right. Mm-hmm. Speaking, speaking and, of that, I and, have an idea for you, too. Uh-oh. But I'm, I'll, I'll tell you later. Okay. <laughs> All right. Of where. Okay, great. Um, but, great. uh and, and would it be it would be comfortable and not expensive and but really nice gear. <laughs> awesome, we like it. So, go ahead, Mark. Well, Sorry. Cool. No, that's cool. Um, maybe we should go in the chat and just say hi to some folks. Actually, you know what? Before I jump in, there was a question that just like jumped out at me. Someone, uh, Adam Evh, wants to know, Steve, do you have Eddie's Black Ernie Ball Music Man? Apparently, there were only two ever made, and word on the street is that you own one. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Okay. Yeah, there you I, go, Adam. Yeah, I don't. But, I, but the story, the last time that I had spoken to you, the story was that Eddie had given you those 5150s, right, when you guys were on tour together, right? That's, that's correct, yeah. The black guitar was sold to a collector. Um, I still have uh, – there were three guitars. The black one came right off Eddie's guitar rack at, at a show. Uh, and then there were three other guitars that were ordered, and of the other three, I have two. One which barely is a is a gold uh, gold top, and uh, it's never been played. I mean, I open up the case to make sure it's still comfortable in there, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's basically a time machine that guitar. And uh, um, that's awesome. And the other one is a um, uh, a pink. Uh, yeah. uh, sort of opaque pink guitar. Um, and there's a black, there's also a black opaque one, which is in pieces. It got smashed uh, out on the road. I have it, but it's, um, uh, it's mm. not playable. <laughs> you going to get it fixed at some point? Uh, I don't know if they could, if, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's just, it's just going to just be an uh, artifact. I guess. It's, it's just cracked right down the whole middle. It's just, you know, the guitar's in two pieces. That might be uh, fixed. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we've got a question from Arunas. Wants to know when is the new solo album? Question, right. Question. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I hope to get to to do to do that uh, this year. Uh, it's not going to happen this year. Um, it'll definitely be a band album. It won't be a, a solo album. Um, but uh, it's definitely in in the works for me to do. Um, but it will will not happen this year. Okay, but it's great that it's going to happen. So that's that's awesome. It will um, definitely. Yeah, uh, Dirty Apes has a question. He said, uh, "I bought the Rockaway pedal, and I absolutely love it. I also yeah. have I have I have two of them. They're awesome. Um, any chance, Steve, you'll put out a signature distortion based on your Friedman amp?" Um, that would be more a question for Dave. That uh, I don't know. You want to? 
Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a Dave question. Yeah, I'm, I'm not opposed to it. I don't even, you know, that whole side of capturing the sound of an amp in a pedal is something I'm really far into. That's Dave's world. And, and yeah, if, it, if, it, if, it, uh, if, he came, if Dave came to me and said, check this out, this is, and it was cool, yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Maybe. Actually, sounds like a cool, cool idea, actually. So who yeah, asked I mean, that? The, that the, was Dirty the, Apes. The, oh, the, the, the pedal that we did do, the BE Overdrive, uh, is in, has been insanely popular. Right. Uh, like, I can't even say how exactly how many thousands have gone out the door. but That's great. It's been, uh, yeah, like, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot. It's been a, a very successful pedal. What about... Um, but the like the Sir Compre and some of the other pedals and the the, the uh, Fuzz Fiend. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't know where the new I don't know where the new pedals are are sitting right now. I don't know in sales where they're sitting right now. Um, uh, Sir Compre sold well, but not literally. The the the, the BE Overdrive was a, a knock out of the park. I mean, like if you could ask for how many you want to sell, double it. You know, ask for your wish, double it. All right, uh, I know I know who's paying for dinner next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might be the next time because uh, <laughs> I think awesome. you promised this next time. <laughs> right, I know. I know. <laughs> but hey, we yes, got a good question. You're on. All right. Uh, have there been any changes or updates to the Friedman Steve Stevens uh, amp since it was released? Not that I know of. Um, well, the only thing we, so I made that I made the uh, since the very original amp the uh, the boost function became switchable, right? Okay, which, which you which you didn't know about, and um, I think uh, other than that, just some functional things like uh, there's been some um, we put in these synergy mustard caps in all of our line and all of our amps, including right. your amp, which are. Right a little richer and a little more. That's what's in some of the amps you use, Steve. Yeah. And, um, it's and a noticeable difference. Yeah. Yeah. There's a sort of a, a, mm-hmm. a mid range quality to it and how yes. the, the caps, um, when you slide up to a note, it'll break into like harmonic feedback, nicer, like okay. the, way you, the way you want it to. Right. Right. I really noticed that. And I was just like, wow, that's perfect. It just goes right up to the right harmonic and everything. And, yeah. yeah, I think there was an amp that I borrowed from from you, uh, not an SS. I think it was a BE, and and I borrowed it yeah. from from uh, from you for rehearsal. And I said, "Oh, there's something different about this." Yeah, yeah. And, and then so, and then you had one, and then I get one for you, and yeah. Right. So it was definitely you didn't tell me that you know you had done anything, but so obviously it's it's uh, it's definitely noticeable under your, under your and, and I think the amp the amp you had in Europe also had the caps and stuff in it. Definitely. That amp sounded great, man. That's yeah, that, totally that, it tone. did. Those it's some of the best live tone. I mean, that's, you know, that Dave built me on, on within like two days, uh, a travel pedal board. Uh, and, and uh, man, the tone was just, it was just beautiful. Every night, you know, I was like happy to play and it was consistent. And, um, and yeah, and um, I hadn't, I hadn't, the board arrived. I hadn't seen it before. And, played through an amp I never played through before and, and, uh, and it made that tour really, really enjoyable. 
it just barely made it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That that was that was uh, harrowing there a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> not yeah. in the first show. Uh, the amp yeah. uh, the amp is uh, not at the venue like it was supposed to have been. Yeah. And um, and Steve's calling me. It's five or six a.m. my time, you know, and and we're all freaking out. And luckily, <laughs> right before the show, it came. <laughs> yeah, and of wow. course, you know, they they always start your your you. you, you. Well, with me, they start the tour in, in London, <laughs> you know, like, that's probably not the smartest thing. Maybe put us out somewhere to get our, you know, our, you know. Feet wet. Yeah. Uh, sea legs. No, no, we're going to throw you into <laughs> London and uh, hopefully the gear will be there. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All, worked out. All worked out. So you were playing out of um, a half stack, I think I saw, right? Yeah. Yeah. These yeah, were small, a, small venues. There's no re, no reason to have anything more. Yeah, and it sounded monstrous. Yeah, the it videos are the videos are some of the best tone I'd heard in a long time. It was just monstrous. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, yeah, it, w- it was really yeah. great. I think I texted yeah. you on that tour. Going, yeah, yeah. really good videos, man. <laughs> no, I mean we just uh, we we you know from the very first because I I had I had actually actually did the sound check with Gus G's gear because mine wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was prepared to do the show as well with his gear. And, and uh, so, boom, I'm on stage. Didn't, you know, no sound check. And I plug into the rig for the first time in, in, in front of a, you know, packed house. And luckily it sounded better than what I expected. I was like, Oh, this is going to be great. So that's awesome. Great. Yeah. That's killer. Yeah, so we're all like, Phew. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. A little stressful. Yep. Dave, you and I were talking when we were talking about having Steve on, and one of the things that you said to me was, you know, we had spoken uh, last time we had spoken with Steve. Um, we talked about the pedal, the Rockaway pedal, and um, and then also we kind of learned about Steve, how you learn, you know, how you got uh, connected with the guitar, and and you know who turned you on the guitar and stuff like that, but. I think Dave, you suggested that one of the things that we would talk about is, you know, just kind of from that point on, when you started getting into bands and you know the New York scene and all that stuff, I'd love for you to tell tell us about that, Steve, if you could. Yeah, I mean, I I I was lucky, man. I grew up in an era of uh, you know great guitar players, great bands. You know, when I was old enough to get an electric guitar at thirteen, was the uh, the initial English prog rock scene and there was a radio station in New York uh, WNEW every Friday they'd have a show called things from England and uh, and there was you know I got to hear yes and Genesis and King Crimson and all these guitar players that were playing uh, styles of guitar that I had already you know take you know been exposed to either through my dad or you know classical or flamenco or whatever so I just, you know, gravitated towards those guitar players. Um, you know, as much as I liked, you know, or could appreciate Eric Clapton or whatever, uh, the guys that really spoke to me were the guys who were like Steve Howe, who plays many different styles of guitar. Um, and then I went to high school performing arts. Uh, I actually got in on, I was admitted into the school for playing Mood for a Day off the yes, uh, Fragile record. Um, 
But then they, once I uh, attended the school, they said, well, the guitar is not a symphonic instrument, meaning there's no guitar in an orchestra. So I had to take, take up viola, and I'm like the worst viola player in the planet. <laughs> and, uh, and my school was on 46th Street, and 48th Street is where all the music stores are. So uh, lunchtime. So I'd go to my music classes. I loved music history. I loved reading about Vivaldi and all these guys. But then I'd hit 48th Street and not go back to school because I was hanging out in the music stores playing, you know, vintage guitars and, and all this stuff. And uh, so I dropped out of school, got my GED and joined a band. I had just joined a band and we started playing the Long Island cover band scene with Twisted Sister. And, uh, um, uh, really great cover band called Rat Race Choir, who uh, guitar player, any, any guitar player that I ever meet now from anywhere near that era, uh, like Zach or Skid Row guys, you know, we, I say, hey, did you go see Mark Hitt, who was the guitar player in Rat Race? And we're all like, yeah, man, he was the best teacher we ever had. So <laughs> I started playing, you know, three, four nights a week, three sets a night and um, and then from there, got into a, uh, an original band. And, um, you know, it's just, it's like anything. You just got to do it. You got to put one foot in front of the other and, um, and, uh, and, and just do it. You know, I was fearless. I, you know, just, yeah. but I loved it. Yeah, that, that scene seemed to be crazy. I mean, uh, I, mean I, uh, I was watching that uh, documentary, that Twisted Sister documentary thing. I don't it's know if great. you saw that. Yeah, yeah it was great. And, it was just, it gave me a whole different kind of perspective of what that band was and what they went through to do what they did and kind of gave me a much better perspective of, yeah. of what, yeah. what it was about and, um, and how hard they worked at it and, uh, and what was going on then. That was crazy, like playing that many nights a week. And, yeah, and, and, and we made, you know, we, we were a self-sufficient band. We owned, a, uh, we owned our own truck. We had a quadraphonic PA um, and I think that's where I got the whole kind of tech side of things, uh, the nuts and bolts of it. Uh, my drummer in the band was, you know, really into, at that time, it was even hard to get an amp that, that had a decent master volume, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, we, we would tear stuff apart and, and build PA cabinets. And uh, I remember, you know, we had like 10 crown DC 300 power. You know, I mean, it was like, you know, we had the right gear and and a truck and a rehearsal space and we were, we were a functioning band. The problem was that a lot of good players got stuck in that scene because you're making money and you, you know, uh, all the other things that come along with, with being a big fish in a little pond. And I had to walk away from it and start all over again to be in an original band. And, uh, and uh, uh, the band that I was in um, uh, was uh, lived in the music building, which just now is being torn down. It's on uh, 251 West 30th Street. And, um, and we had a loft where we, we rehearsed. And in that building, you had the, uh, you know, a lot of punk bands, Dead Boys. And I used to see all the New York Dolls guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cindy Lauper lived in the building. And it was music 24-7. My life was... From the time I was 19, was music, you know. What, what street was that on? Uh, it's 251 West 30th, so it's uh, it's about two blocks okay. away from, from Madison Square Garden off 8th Avenue. So a, a question I, that just – I used to practice with my band in New York City. Um, do you know Giorgio Gamelski? Does that Is name that, ring a bell? 
Is that the guy that produced the Yardbirds? Yep. All right. I've only heard Jeff Beck talk about him. (laughs) Okay, yeah. He actually, I I was curious if, you know, because he was in the New York scene back then um, also, and he owns a building. It was on like, God, man, it was like 37th Street and between 6th and 7th or whatever. It was like this green door building, and Mm -hmm. uh, he lived upstairs. And he had this whole practice studio set up down there. And, and he was our landlord. I wasn't okay. sure if you had known, knew him at all. But yeah, Giorgio Gamelski was my, my landlord, which was right. crazy. Well, the, but, uh, the, and so the, uh, so the band I was in at that time was called Fine Malibus. And we eventually got picked up by Island Records. And Jimmy Miller, the producer of The Stones, uh, brought us down to Compass Point Studios in the Bahamas. And we recorded an album that was never released. And I remember that we were the first band into that studio after Back in Black was done. And we got in and I said to the engineer, hey, so what have you guys been working on? And this, this Bahamian guy, Benji, goes, oh, I'll play you a couple of things, man. And they were uh, rough mixes of the back and black stuff. And I heard wow. it. And I, I went, wow, we're going to be great. <laughs> <Listen to that. laughs> was it, was it the engineer on that? Was it was in the Bahamas? Wasn't it Tony Platt or something? Or, um, or no, that was that. Or the, that was later album or something. Or was it? No, I'm sure Tony was hired on by Mutt. We, we mm. uh, used a guy named Trevor Hallisey who did the English beat and a lot of it because, uh, uh, um, Jimmy Miller had, had by and large lived in, in London. So he brought Trevor over and, uh, and recorded us. But yeah, it's, it's, once again, it's a great lesson and it's not about the gear. It's not about the studio. It's, you know, back in black could have been done in any, any studio. They just, they were just so, you know, such, such a great band, you know, and, uh, and I can assure you our record did sound, sound nothing like back in black. So, uh, but, but what was cool is, um, uh, through that band, I met Bill Coyne, who was the manager of Kiss and, um, and he started to manage the band. And, uh, I said, look, you know, I've, I re- I, the writing was on the wall, you know, I could see that it, I, I had gone as far as I could go. I needed, I needed other songwriters. I needed a good foil. I needed a real great front man, you know. Um, and uh, I got a call from a coin one day and he said, do you know who Billy Idol is? Uh, we've started to manage him and he's just moved to New York and you guys should meet. So, um, so yeah, I always tell people, you know, you, you, one thing always leads to another, leads to another. And that's, then you'll find, you know, uh, the right situation, but you just got to keep at it, you know? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So, so did you have to audition? Uh, for him and you know how long of a process what process was it for joining with him I didn't actually audition we um, Billy didn't have a band he didn't really know any musicians in New York so um, I very wisely said look I know every musician in, in Manhattan which I by that time I probably did I said I'll help you put together a band and um, when it comes time for the guitar player, hopefully you'll, you'll consider me. And uh, so I started to get into his head about what he was looking to do because, you know, him being a, you know, original English punk rocker was kind of, uh, you know, 
not against, but certainly wasn't down with all of the prog stuff that I was about, you know. But then we started to find common ground, like uh, some of the Lou Reed. I said he said he liked Lou Reed uh, live animal album, and I said, oh man. You guys still there? I am. Whoops. Okay. We had an internet fart there. Sorry. So you were talking about Lou Reed, Steve? You still there? I don't think he's here. Oh. Yeah. Steve's frozen. He's frozen in time. (laughs) (laughs) He he literally is frozen in time. Yeah, literally. Steve, if you can hear us, sign back on. What happened? Yeah, I wonder what happened. Uh, Internet faux pas, of course. (sighs) Figures. I can text them. Um, technical difficulties, people. Please stand by. Mister David Black is watching, although he's not signing in and saying hi. Well, I know I want to say hi to all the guys who are in the chat. Um, there's a lot of people who are watching. I mean, we've got 92 people watching right now, which is almost like a uh, a record. Um, so uh, it looks like Steve. Steve said he lost his internet. He's restarting it, so it's be a second. Okay. He'll be back. All right. So we'll. So I, I'll go back to say hi to some folks. We got Tim Pierce. We're going to say Timothy Pierce, yeah. not Tim Pierce. We we always right. think it might be. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Timothy Pierce, yes. Uh, Tom Brino, uh, Dirty Apes from Belgrade, uh, and Arunas, Michael Bishop. How you doing, man? Uh, Michael BV Bishop's Ninja. always here. He is. He is. Thanks, Michael. Uh, we appreciate. We appreciate that. Um, Let's see. We already answered Dirty Ape's question there. Three score 10. Great to be here, guys. No, great to have you here, man. Thank you. Uh, Adam EVH, he's always here. Good fan. Thank you, man. We appreciate it. Um, Andreas Erd, uh, he says, hey, Mark, how you doing? You remember Andreas? Uh, you may not. He was the guy when I was in, in your booth at uh, Summer, no, Winter Nam, that he was just ripping on the, on, he was the lefty who was ripping on the guitar. I uh oh yes yes I do remember yeah uh-huh sure hi Andreas <laughs> I do remember now where, where you, you were know, like Nam Nam the winter Nam is like a big blur you, you understand we talked no, I thought you would five, remember I thought you would I, remember I do him, now it just took me a second but um yeah. you know we talked to 5,000 people there's a million great players that come in the booth and rip at excruciatingly loud volumes because we can get away with it in our booth um so, you know, often people go, yeah, hey, remember I saw you at NAMM? I'm like going, um, no. Hmm. <laughs> no. Even people I know really well, I go, wait a minute, you came by? Yeah. Go <laughs> yeah, don't you remember I was there? I'm like going, I don't. <laughs> yeah. I talked to you? <laughs> yeah, we it's talked hard. for a while. I'm like going, wow, <laughs> okay. That's like well, that's a mix- four long days of, of, of hell, you know. Um, yeah. so it's, uh, um, yeah, 
Boy, yeah. Summer Nam was well, a lot I'm, easier. <laughs> Andre Andreas was ripping. He was ripping. Yes, I do that. remember. Yeah, I remember he was ripping. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, hello from Melbourne, Australia. Tony D. How's it going? Massive Steve Stevens fan, and I own a BE100. Next person purchase will be a Steve Stevens Sig, Sig Nags. That's a great guitar, man. Oh, go for it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was going to ask Steve when, when he gets back. I want to hear what he was what his thoughts were on the uh, Friedman Cali guitar. Yeah. That'll be nice to talk about. Uh, we've got letters. How you doing? Uh, and Frank Cor- Corin. I want to say that right. Uh, Curtis Murata. Um, Mark and Dave, you put on great shows. And we have Steve today. Way too cool. Yeah, I can't disagree with you. Uh, and Steve will be back soon. He dropped off here. So as soon as he can reboot um let's see mm, i see i see a question here andreas sure. erd says are you planning on releasing a be combo at some point well if we release a be 100 combo which i've made before it's an 85 pound combo yeah is it really easy to carry that around i'm not so sure now, if if we, if we were to release a BE combo that was a lower wattage or something down the road, good question. Maybe, yeah, um, like a fifty watt. But uh, but combos aren't our best selling item for our products. We we sell more heads than mm-hmm. combos. Um. So, and I think you really honestly maybe get a better tone, and you have less tube problems with a head and even a small cabinet. So. Um, you know, in a, in combos, you just have tubes rattling around right next to the speakers, and it's never it's never a good thing. Really, yeah. is it? There's always some rattle you can't get rid of, or there's if tubes become microphonic, it 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 rattles, and it's it's kind of a pain. It's actually better if you just have a head. That's how I feel. I I I have the same opinion. I tell that to my cousin all the time. He's like, I'm just a combo guy. I'm like, but why? Explain to me why. Oh, it's easier. I don't know. Head in the cab. I'm like, I don't. I don't know. To me, the head in the cab seems easier. To me, but what can I tell you? What do you think of the question before that? Before uh, Andreas's question. Well, what was that? Uh, so <laughs> it was from Arunas. He says uh, he he loves uh, the Steve Stevens Nags guitar, but um, it requires a kidney to afford it. So is it possible for a more affordable version to come at some point? We'll ask Steve that question when he comes back. Yeah. Steve says he's, yeah, his cable is still out. He said it happens every weekend. <laughs> still really? trying. Yeah. Oh, wow. that's We might have lost him. But we'll see. We'll see. He's trying still, he said. Yeah, Nags guitars are expensive. Um, I can't disagree on that. They're... Yeah, what is a, a Steve? A Steve guitar is maybe what forty six hundred dollars or something, roughly. I'm not exactly oh, sure. I, oh man, I think it's more than that. Is it? I I thought it was like in the six grand mark. No, 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 I don't think so. Is no, that Steve's right? Back. Hey I, I guys, could, sorry yeah. about that. Hey, no okay. worries. We understand. Okay. Modern yeah. technology. Not so oh, modern. this is. I don't even want to go into what's going on here with the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here now. Cool, man. Cool. We were actually just talking about um, your uh, signature guitar. 
Yeah. Um, uh, with nags. So what, what, how much, what, do you know what that street street price on that is? Um, yeah, I mean, roughly 5k. Uh, I mean, Dave, you were right. Okay. Yeah. It seems right around that area. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great guitar. We had a question about whether there was going to be a more affordable version at some point that you, that you might. Um, that's, that's, you know, th- there was other companies that I, that I had met with, uh, that were interested in doing, uh, a uh, signature guitar. Um, and at the time I, uh, I was, I was dead set against doing, uh, you know, a, uh, offshore version of the guitar. Um, if I, the only way I would do it is if, if the quality didn't suffer, you know, I like, I like the fact that I'm in, you know, it's a small company. There's only about 11 people that work at Nags and, and, uh, Everything is done by hand, and it's you know. Uh, oh, they're gorgeous guitars. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's it's. I I guess I'm tainted by the fact that you know I had a really bad experience um, in the early '90s with a company that uh, put out a guitar. That I wasn't I wasn't aware that they were going to do a a cheaper version of the guitar, and uh, when I saw it and actually got it in my hands, I wasn't happy about it because. I wouldn't play it. So, uh, you know, but, but that's, you know, there's much to be said with the quality, certainly the quality of, of, uh, you know, uh, Korean made or Chinese made guitars or Mexican made guitars now is much different than it was in the nineties. So absolutely. Yeah. It can be done pretty well. Yeah. With with the right company. Right. So I'm not, I'm not terribly opposed to it. You know, I, 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 you know, if I was a, you know, a 15, 16 year old kid and saw one of my guitars, it would probably break my heart because I couldn't afford it. Um, so I, I do get that side of it. But, uh, but for me right now, at, at this point, I only want my name on something that's a really great quality guitar that would hopefully stay in a family, you know, and get passed down like one of those great Gibsons from the, you know, from days gone by. So, um, but, mm-hmm. but never say never, you know? Yeah, no. And, uh, the other question I had for you was, uh, when you were in Europe, you were playing the Cali guitar, the Friedman Cali guitar. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I need, I, I, you know, still part of what I do is, is, uh, uh, requires a, a good stable Floyd Rose type guitar. Um, and, um, and I've been looking around, you know, and Dave said, hey, why don't you check out one of these? And there was one in rehearsal that just sounded like a monster. And I didn't even say anything to the band, like, hey, I'm trying out a different, you know, everyone just said, man, what guitar is that? You know, it was just a great, warm sounding, uh, comfortable guitar. Um, so that was, uh, Dave could tell you exactly what it is, but um, but uh, that was one uh uh, of his that uh, we actually had to change or we uh, had one made, but we changed the neck because of the regulations going over to Europe with Rosewood and all this kind of stuff. So I'm waiting to get the guitar back with a, uh, with a Rosewood neck on it because it should be done. I think uh, I have right, to check right. over, but it should be done. He was dragging his feet a little bit, but you know, <laughs> well, uh, uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure done. Yeah. I mean, what was great also was that, um, you know, I, I, at the time of my, at the 
when I had a signature guitar with, with Washburn, although Grover came into the company after I was already part of Washburn and the, uh, you know, it was, it was some un, un, unspoken stuff. Didn't know where the relationship was, whether he was mad at me or I was mad at him. And, and, uh, last year I got asked to, be part of a documentary about him. And it was like kind of opened the door to kind of clear out their past. And I'm so grateful to Grover because so many guitar, so many uh, of the success that I've had Top Gun and, um, and uh, uh, the Vince Neil record were done on a guitar that, uh, that Grover had just showed up at a show and, and gave me this, this, this great, uh, uh, Chavel Jackson and um, and it was you know I just wanted him to know that I was really appreciative of it of it and and that uh, and that we kind of cleared the air and and um, and now he's working with Dave on these great guitars so it's really nice to kind of like yeah, Grover's make, a good guy make, yeah and make things right make things right you know yeah, that's cool yeah, yeah. yeah. That's cool. So you'll get your guitar. You'll be happy. Yeah. The guitar, to, to, when, clarify, you were, to clarify, that was a, a, a Cali guitar, the, one of our Cali yeah. guitars. I think we, okay, made, right. we made one uh, that was non-aged for you, all black. Right. The European guitar had a maple neck, but it was getting swapped to a rosewood neck. And the only difference is he, uh, Steve wanted a bigger neck on it. So we actually put the same neck shape as our vintage T guitar on it, which is a, a little thicker back neck, which is... Right. You know, still the big frets and everything, but a little thicker back neck, so it fits the hand a little more, which you're a little more used to. Especially, and yeah, I know your nags have really big fat necks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a I'm a proponent. Yeah. I, I believe part of the sound of the guitar is is having a bit of weight, a little bit bit of wood behind the mm. the neck. There, I might I be right. I, I might agree. Be, yeah, I agree. And and higher action. Well, that's a big part of it. I love yeah. I love I love guys that have guitar and it doesn't sound, you know you can you can hear even through distortion or amp you can hear the strings fretting out and, and i'm always like if you raise the action your your sound's going to improve more than any pickup or more than any any pedal yeah. or anything. you know it's funny it's funny you say that because when i was a uh, when i um was adjusting the new one before i sent it off to you I adjusted the action because I had the other guitar that you had kind of adjusted a little. Right. And um, so I could kind of compare. And I actually did it and listened to it both ways. And I actually, the minute I did it, I'm like, oh, yeah. I <laughs> totally, right. I knew that was the fact, but right then and there, I really heard right yeah. away the difference. And I was like, yeah, that's, he's right. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, just just the sheer volume of the string going into the pickup is 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 twice is is mm -hmm. twice the volume, and uh, and um, and I like you know you you know it just feel I've gotten so used to have I can't play guitars with super low action now that it doesn't feel right to me. Hey, you want to fight so how, it a little bit? Yeah, you just so how, to, how how high are we talking about? Higher than you think, probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really. Yeah, I I like super low action. That's interesting, and I always thought that a you know a lot of players did, but that's that's a, great. A lot point. of players have, do, but <laughs> it's a whole there's a whole balance though because the guys um, that have uh, you know super low action 
then if you use a super light pick and 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 you know i play 10 to to 48 and so if you play 9 to 42 you you're bringing the whole ratio down and it can work that way depending on the the amp too but for me then it means you know different pick different strings different, i'm just i'm just i've found what works for me now yeah. um, well it, it's like the old the old eddie saying that you know he was using uh, at the time nine to forty strings because right. they were Fender sets, and they went to forty, not forty-two. Right. And it was nine to forty, and he was using lighter picks. Right. Um, and and you know the funny thing, the old days the action was kind of high, mm-hmm. but in the later days it was still nine nine to nine to forty-two later, but the action's really low now. Right. And and it's about a medium pick. It kind of went up a gauge. Uh, right. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but I, I totally yeah, understand that. I totally understand that because you can't it, strike it the same way. Yeah. And you can't use a heavy, super heavy pick with strings that are tuned to E flat that are nines. It's right. going to just go one out of tune, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's such a personal thing, you know. I, I, um, I played an all-star band uh, called Kings of Chaos and Billy Gibbons guests with us a lot. And I've spent a lot of time, you know, I've must shared the stage with him 10 times now. And his guitars weigh about six pounds. Not only are the bodies chambered, the necks are chambered. He plays eight to 38, maybe it's a super light gauge. Um, and he plugs in and his, he sounds it's, you know, I mean, his, his, his sound is is not thin, certainly not. No, no, no. You know, he's got this thick thing going on, um, but he's not required to play a Rebel Yell style rhythm thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a totally different thing if you're if you're primarily like a Jeff Beck or a Billy Gibbons, where you're playing a lot of single note solo lines. Um, it's a whole different ball game, and you can make the the. Uh, the low action, lighter gauge strings work for you easier. Mm-hmm. 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 You know, I always said uh, to people too that we're always, uh, you know, everyone was always striving for that EVH thing with the the old Marshall and this and that. And a lot of people said, well, the Marshall's mu- kind of muddy sounding, you know, like when it's cranked and it's muddy sounding. I'm like going, yeah, well, what what's your string gauges? <laughs> you know, right. like. Yeah. Put nine to forty strings on your guitar tuned to E flat, right. and then tell me if you have a muddy amp. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You're not. Mm-hmm. It, it's totally different. You know, it's, to, yeah. it's totally a different thing. Yeah. And um, a lot of people don't always take everything uh, in the equation. Don't don't put everything in the equation. You know. Um, Absolutely. And, and and it all matters. Yeah. And uh, you know. Yeah. yeah. For anyone's tone, just like Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know, he was using like crazy heavy strings and high actions and big frets. and Yeah. But you could see if you ever see any footage of him playing, that guy's attacking the guitar like like a bulldozer. Oh, I, I, I love watching him. Right? He, I, I, mean, I had the pleasure of seeing him, uh, I don't know, maybe like 1989-ish. Okay. Right oh, before, wow. with B.B. King opening up for him. Right. At the Greek Theater, oh great! Out here, and uh, it was just man. Yeah, you can't. 
he attacked the guitar like there was no tomorrow and it just yeah. that's what i love and equally that's what i like about your playing you you attack the guitar and you mm -hmm. your rhythm playing is percussive and attack attack yeah. in a different style but a similar yeah. range yeah. Um, well that's the, that's the thing that um you know that's that's the element of punk rock that that billy idol kind of turned me on to because a lot of those guitar players that that he was a fan of uh, steve jones or you know or uh you know you know some of the other english guitar players that's what he was looking for somebody that that still depending regardless of how much technique or or, or any of this stuff still attacked the guitar that's he, he that was a really important part yeah yeah of course that's that's I think an important part of a lot of the great player style, how they, how they attacked that instrument. Um, yeah. That's what made it interesting. I think. I think so too. And, and also a little dangerous. Yeah. You know, reckless, good <laughs> reckless abandon is good. Reckless abandon is often yeah. what you really want to see, you know? Yeah. Well, you're from Detroit. All, all your Detroit guitar players are like that. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, going back to MC5 Aggressive. and everything. Right. And, you know, that's right. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Play, play it like you mean it or yeah, get out. That's right. That's right. <laughs> kind of thing, you know, that's true. Play it like you mean it or get out. And I, if I missed a note, it doesn't matter. It really, no. <laughs> No, it doesn't matter. Well, it's equally, I think you brought up before, which I, you know, I, I only heard that recently from you about you also liking The Who. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. Pete Townsend and stuff. Oh, yeah. And I, and I think I only heard that recently in some interview from you, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, well, the, I, the, I equally love The Who. So, the thing, oh, the thing was, too. you know, I started playing when I was, you know, I got my, I, confiscated my dad's first guitar when I was seven and a half and didn't get an electric uh, till I was 13, but I loved rock and roll. So what stuff can you play on an acoustic and still sound somewhat like the song? And the who is a perfect ex example. I could, I could play the who song, you know, all of their stuff still works on an acoustic guitar. Same with the stones, mm -hmm. um, yeah. you know, riff, great riff rock stuff is, is, uh, it doesn't matter whether you've, you know, got an electric guitar, but, um, you know, it's, it, it, I think that's, that's stuck with me. Why, why I like them. Yeah. That. And I think he's, he, Pete Townsend actually very interesting, um, as a player, you know, not, not the most technical player in the world, but, um, what he does with his rhythm playing is, uh, it's never quite the same way twice around, you know, yeah. He plays in one section of the song. He sort of plays it like that, but then later he plays it a little bit different, and yeah. uh, and with different kind of ghost strokes and different things. Um, thank God there was a solid band because otherwise, <laughs> yeah, <you> know, <laughs> it would have yeah. been uh, not so pretty, you know. But um, and and he, you know, he and he loves it that way. In fact, you know, John Button now is the bass player in the Who, right? And um, John was saying that uh you know he he can he has freedom to kind of mm. not play the bass line exactly like mm. it was done or not play that bass lick exactly note for note yeah he, he doesn't want it that way right he wants the danger of it all great just great yeah just kind of in in the ballpark mm. <laughs> well yeah and on the other thing is that they're they're great guitar players and they're 
And then there are great guitar players who are great songwriters, and, mm-hmm. and, and Pete is one of those. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah. I think the, 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 fact, the fact that he plays guitar, okay, is, is one element, but really the guy is just one of the great songwriters, certainly of my yeah. generation. Yeah, and great uh, keyboard player also, and then yes, um, just music, uh, music uh, yeah, engineer Programmer. also. He's a hell of an engineer. Yeah, yeah. and and you know what, he, he was uh, you know he really evolved. That was the other thing that I love about about Pete Townsend is that from the early days, you know, uh, the earlier stuff, you know, can't explain and stuff like that, and then when they got into Quadrophenia or or even you know who's next and all that other stuff was much more exploratory and and. Uh, on the edge, you know, like different. It was just, he really grew as a guitar player, I thought. Well, you know, the story was that once Hendrix arrived in England, Pete said, well, what am I going to do now? And mm-hmm. it was a, that's, that's when he wrote Tommy. He said, I'm going to do something that's beyond the, the, the technical abilities of guitar that doesn't really matter about the guitar playing. And he came up with this complete, conceptual thing and, mm-hmm. and uh, found his niche, you know, mm-hmm. same like Jeff Beck. I mean, when Hendrix showed up, it screwed all those guys. Their heads. Yeah, were, were, didn't some of them, Eric Clapton and someone or something, I remember that there was talk about they were at the club when they first saw him. Yeah, all and, of them. Uh, all yeah. of them, right? Yeah. And they just all look at each other like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so, much, so much for and, us. And well, I think the same thing happened later on when when Eddie Van Halen hit the right. scene. Right. You know, yeah. I think it really parallels it, like Jimi Hendrix and then Eddie Van Halen. Absolutely. Meaning there were other great guitar players, but that had this massive impact. Yeah, I think you only really saw it twice. The the big massive right. like, what the heck is this? Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I I can only imagine you know thinking about the music climate at the time. And then hearing Hendrix and the Star Spangled Banner or, or whatever yeah. his first early stuff was, you were just like, what, what is that? Yeah, yeah. What is that noise? Yeah. <laughs> and, he was, and he was such a showman, too. I mean, to see him live, would especially, you know, to hear him on album is one thing, but to really see Hendrix when you see him, you know, I mean, I've only seen video, obviously. I've never seen him live. But, the, you know, just such a, such a stage personality and, you know, the, the whole antics thing. that he did. Yeah, was, the whole you know, thing. that's probably what everybody was just like, holy crap. And of course, he was so loud, I think, also, right? Well, there was, you know, I mean, there was, there, 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 just like when, when, when the first Van Halen record came out, I had other f- friends who were accomplished guitar players. I remember hearing... Uh-oh. Oh, we lost Steve again. <laughs> I remember hearing, boom. <laughs> oh. Well, back to the chat. What other <laughs> questions do we have? Steve, we're sorry to see you get frozen like that, man. That sucks. Someone in the um, chat. I, I mean, I'm I'm not sure where I'm at in the chat, but someone in the chat, James uh, Passmore, I think it is, uh, said uh, he was asking Steve, "Is there any chance of bringing the solo tour to the U.S.?" He did say that he was going to try to bring the solo band to the U S at some point in time um, in the near future. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's what he told me also. So he did say that. Yeah. And, and then, and to do some recording. 
Um, Mark Dave, the guitarist, says, hey, Dave, remember me? That's always a David dangerous yeah. question. Wait, wait, was it Mark Dave? Yes, Mark Dave. Yeah. Hey, Mark. How are you? Glad you're watching. Cool. I think I owe you a phone call. That's cool. Steve Karen says Steve needs a signature internet provider. Yeah. <laughs> he has Spectrum. Uh, what's so what's can, the price point on? The, I'm sorry. What's that? Spectrum is a, would be a, a cable uh, internet provider. So mm. I, I have Spectrum too in my house. Not here, but no, actually, we have it here too. <laughs> oh, really? His he, he might just be just in a area that gets busy. Um, what's the price point on the Cali guitars? I thought I saw it was like twenty six ninety nine. Was that? It starts at twenty six ninety nine. Occasionally, there's one with some extra features or like gold hardware or things like that that run it up another a little bit. So twenty six ninety nine to twenty eight ninety nine, depending on. Oh, that's twenty six. I'm sorry, it's twenty seven ninety nine. The the vintage tees are twenty six ninety nine. Mm, uh, right. Twenty seven ninety nine to depending on your if you option it out crazy or if we do like a aged finish over a sunburst or something that costs more money. Painted headstock can cost more money. Bird's eye maple fingerboard can cost more money. So you can option it out a little bit, but they don't go over three. Hmm. No matter what you do to it, pretty much. That's cool. Uh, Flash Grover asked, Dave, can we order that Cali Steve mentioned, the big neck? Yeah. All, all you have to do is um, order a Cali uh, with a vintage T neck profile. Um, it's it's pretty standard. It'll be the same frets that are on the Cali, but just the vintage T neck shape. And then we've got a question. What about a non-relic Cali? Yeah, you can get a non-relic yes. Cali. You can get a, you can get a non-relic Cali. Cali. You can also get kind of what we call a closet classic sort of um, it, it would be still painted in nitro lacquer. Um, but when you paint a guitar in nitro lacquer, uh, it, it might crack on its own. So uh, that's just what, what they do, especially if you go from heat to cold, you might come in and it might be all cracked, um, which is cool though. It still kind of looks un beat up, you know, or un, un relic, so to speak. Uh, but it, it might just crack naturally on its own. If not, we use a different finish. Sorry guys. That's okay. Once again. That's cool. I have That's spectrum cool. I know. home and I have spectrum here too. So, ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Every weekend we go through this. It's just yeah. too many people on the uh, thing or they just drops out or something. I think that's what happens. Yeah. I think that's, they, they kind yeah. of put the brakes on it because my whole building loses it. It's not just me. Oh uh, yeah. Wow. What were, so what Steve, were we was, saying? <laughs> was that, what were we saying before you left? He said, uh, I was going to, you, yeah, you were going to tell us the story that you just, right. were just so, about to say. So, you know, there was, you know, much like the Hendrix thing that, you know, the, right. The, That's what we were talking about. The, the guys who were in shock over Hendrix then reinvented themselves mm. like Jeff Beck and Pete Townsend. And I remember there were other guitar players in New York and we were at a club and first Van Halen came on and uh, one of the other guitar players points to me and goes, ah, ain't no, yeah, we can do that. Right. We do that in our sleep points to me. And I go, I, 
I can't do that. I don't even know what instrument that is. Is that a guitar? <laughs> you know? And uh, and, I, and I always remember, you know, that's the you know that's that's the thing. You you know, when a great player or a revolutionary player like like EVH or comes along, um, you know, I won't I won't mention who, but the the the, the uh, Van Halen were out supporting a band and uh, got thrown off the the, the tour. Uh, because the guitar player couldn't handle what he was witnessing, and uh, and I that's think that's Black Sabbath. Uh, that's not who I was thinking of. But Journey. Uh, maybe. So maybe might might be getting warm there. But uh, <laughs> but the the thing is, you know, always, I, I I'm I'm you know we're all part of the the community of guitar playing, and, and good guys push us and come forward and, 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 uh, and, and, you know, uh, help the instrument move it along. And, and, uh, I always look at that as a good thing. You know, that's, it's, it's, it's not a, it's, you know, I, I, I'm waiting for the next, you know, you know, 22 year old guitar player that's got the whole thing. Um, I don't know if we'll see that in, in my lifetime because, you know, it's not only, you know, Van Halen was, was a, a band, you know, it was a great, it was the perfect vehicle for, for what Eddie was doing on guitar. Just perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we did see a little bit of it with Stevie Ray Vaughan. We mentioned him before and that was kind of that he brought the blues back. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he was also, I would say actually he would be also another one that was, that was like, Wow, you know, yeah. like yeah. that was really like ridiculous, and yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not quite on the same magnitude, but um, but close. Yeah, you know, it was. I, I just don't think the uh, the what's the, the 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 amount of songs that he had, the, the quality of the songs that Steve Ravon had, wouldn't rival something like Van Halen or, or Hendrix or something like that. Uh, unfortunately, but. He still was an amazing player, just a monstrous player. I'll tell, at least tell that's you, how I kind of tell you what made that same impact on me was, uh, and I was I remember this. I was in in that that cover band I spoke about, and somebody came in with uh, the Tony Williams Lifetime record with Holdsworth on it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and that was mind blowing. That was just like yeah, Holdsworth. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Kidding? Right. You know, yeah. I, I, you know. It was that was that was another one where I really you know we had never heard anyone play guitar like that before. That's you know, I mean, but but Eddie and like as you mentioned, Ed, Eddie and uh, and Stevie Ray Vaughan and Hendrix were the complete showman package. The whole you know that's that's when it's really groundbreaking. You know when it's the whole thing. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's cool but, stuff. Yeah. Hey, we had a question. I, 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 I saw this and I, I, I didn't think about it, but someone just mentioned it. And I want to mention what they said. Rock and Shippy asked, uh, Rock and Shippy asked, Steve, are you going to do a um, Top Gun two song for uh, their, you know, their soundtrack? Um, I haven't heard any. You know, I know that I know that uh, they're doing a, well. Tom Cruise is talking about a remake being done, but. Uh, um, if Harold Faltermeyer is involved in it, who did the score for the first one, I would be involved. But uh, I don't know. You know, sometimes they they 
they go back and they revisit, uh, you know, the, the classic thing, or sometimes they want to completely break from, from tradition. So I haven't, I, I, I know as much as rock and chippy does. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, it's a good question though. That's a cool question. Yeah. No, I want to well, make actually, one, one interesting thing he, he may want to check out is it's online. Red Bull had hired uh, myself and Harold Faltermeyer to uh, score their flying team. Their, they have the skydive team. And we went over to uh, Austria and performed uh, for these, uh, their, sky, their skydive show. And we, uh, and we, Harold wrote what could feasibly be another Top Gun type anthem. If you look, if you look online uh, on YouTube, I remember that. It. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It was, yeah, it was, I remember when you did. I remember when you did that. It was good fun. It was it was great. It was great. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna That's sign good. off here, guys. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna ask you. Sorry to yeah. uh, before I longer. before I get signed off unwillingly. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate having you, Steve. Uh, it's my pleasure, man. And uh, you know, like I said, you don't say no to Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Well, awesome. Well, we'd love to have you back on. Yeah, you have a great great. night. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, Steve. You You got it. All right. All right. Well, guys, we're here. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to hang out. We'll hang out for a little bit longer. Um, What time we got? Maybe ask some more questions. Maybe if we have some in this uh, chat here. I I lose track here. I don't even know where I left off. I... I, um, I know where, right where I'm at. Um, Dave, are you going to put out more pedals in the future from yes. Dirty Apes? So, uh, uh, well, the uh, next two pedals come out, uh, oh, God, I, the September, early September. Uh, that's the Dirty Shirley pedal and the Buxom Boost pedal. Uh, I have the Buxom Boost sitting right next to me right here. Um, Buxom Boost is a, a clean boost. It's got a tight knob on it, uh, similar to the BE Overdrive. Um, and EQ, three band EQ. So basically anything you can use a booster for, you want to use it on acoustic guitar. Okay. It's an EQ and a booster. You want to use it, uh, in the loop of your amp to boost the level and change the tone. No problem. You want to use it to push the front of your amp, make it change the EQ curve of it. So make it uh, more mid rangey for a lead sound or darker or brighter or, you want to make it a treble booster kind of for metal or something. Um, it will do that and you can tighten it right up. So you can totally make it like a percussive metal thing out of some sloppy sounding amp. Um, so it does kind of Swiss army knife. So if you own an amp and you want to have something that colors it and pushes it and does some other stuff out of your already dirty amp, this is the, this is the one It's really good. Really I'm really happy with this one. So almost anyone who owns a um, any of my amps or various other companies' amps, it's a really good pedal to uh, boost into it. Really cool. And it's got and it's got gain on it too, so you can. It's not gain. It's a clean boost. So so you so, it's just, so if you already have a dirty amp and it's crunchy and you want to boost yeah. it and then alter the EQ or not, it has an EQ bypass switch. So then all that's oh. active is a volume and a tight knob tight knob oh. tighter when it turns it up so if you just want to tighten up the low end and boost the gain a little bit you can do it 
you want to add mid range, cool. you can do it. If you want to add treble, you can do it. If you want to darken it, you can do it. If you want to add more low end, you can do it. You can make a so clean channel makes, sparklier. You can make. That makes it unique. It, because well, a lot of, really a lot of boosts out today. Yeah. But a lot of boosts out today have a gain on it. Yeah. No, it's really, it's really good yeah. for anything. Um, you could use it as a base DI. You could. Um, I haven't even tried it on a million things yet. I mean, like you know, but it's it's uh, it's pretty much anything you want to do with it. A tone you, shaper, basically, is what do it is. You, do you design all these pedals, Dave? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and then uh, we also have the Dirty Shirley pedal, which is kind of a low to medium uh, overdrive pedal. Uh, well, medium medium to high gain overdrive pedal. Um, so, uh, and it's got a mid range knob and, a, uh, unlike the BEOD, it has a mid range knob, which everyone seemed to want. And, uh, that's a great one also for, uh, overall overdrive pedal to push something else or on its own into a clean amp. It'll give you that kind of fat, dirty, shirley sort of martial tone. Very cool. Yeah. I want to get my hands on one of those. Yeah. So those are the next two, but there's more. There's more down the pipe coming. There's kind of a, I have them kind of lined up. So there's more coming. I'll tell you, I like, I like that idea of the signature uh, Steve Stevens pedal. Yeah, yeah, that might that might be able to be done. Yeah. Yeah, model after the amp. That would be cool. Yeah. Um, will there be a Steve Stevens Friedman model guitar? Six uh, not at this point in time. No. Um. Okay. So, I mean, Steve has a signature uh, guitar with nags at the moment. So, mm-hmm. so no. Gary Pedro. Dave, are you the – Dave, you are the modern-day Leo Fender. Well, that's wow. very nice. Thank you, I guess. Um, except Dave knows how to play guitar. Leo Fender didn't know how to play guitar. No, not at all. Yeah, which is quite interesting. Yeah. Um Looking forward to the Synergy Dirty Shirley module. Oh, it's really good. It, it I have to say that it, it's particularly great, the Dirty Shirley module and the Synergy stuff. Yeah, I saw some of the Synergy stuff at Summer NAM. Uh, there was a Metropolis, Metroplex Synergy module, mm-hmm. which I saw. I was like, wow, that's cool. Yeah, this is all sorts of good stuff. Soldano, um, Diesel, um, the a bunch of my channels, B channel, HB channel, Dirty Shirley. Um, there's a few other things that I worked on a little bit um, that are in the line under the Synergy brand name. And more to come. I think there's going to be a Fryette module. Oh, cool. And um, we'll see what else. Different companies were sign on at different later on, later times. <laughs> so, someone just uh that's someone six string just wrote friedman strap locks <laughs> <laughs> how about a, how about an espresso machine yeah <laughs> there you go it would start uh, we'll start moving into marshall territory refrigerator uh headphones uh, uh but we'll do it differently how about a flask and uh <laughs> an espresso machine and uh I don't know. Our own beer or something, maybe? 
<laughs> hey, lot, oh, lots man. of bands have done that. Didn't Megadeth do do a, a beer? Yeah, yeah, pretty I beer. Think, yeah, I think they do. And, uh, and so actually, so you know, Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden Trooper. Yeah, they have a Trooper yeah. beer. I've seen yeah. it because Nico Nico has a restaurant right by me. Oh, which really? when you get when you get out here, you got to go. You, you got to come with me one day you when think, you get it to Florida. You think I'm going to go to Florida? Uh, <laughs> whenever you get out of here, uh, it's rock and roll ribs. It's a good cool ah, place. Yeah. Cool. Owned by Nico. And, uh, he's got all his memorabilia there and stuff. It's cool. cool oh, place. that's cool. Cool. Does he um, live a, down in Florida? I think he does. I think he has a oh, house okay. down here. Yeah. Uh, Sean Manning says the Friedman stout. I think that would be, yeah, good. it probably wouldn't be stout though. It'd probably be a Belgian beer. Most likely. Uh, if I were to do, else. if I were to ever do one, let's just hypothetically say. <laughs> um, Freeman, we got the Freeman Brown Eye Ale. Oh Jesus! <laughs> A nutty brown ale. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Uh, Francisco Guardian is Bruce Egnator involved in Synergy? Yes, to some extent. Yes, Bruce did some of the designs, and then. Uh, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the individual companies, the designs were done by them that are, you know, licensed and stuff. But yes, Bruce was involved, um, in some of the Synergy prod, uh, product along with several other people. Mm-hmm. Literally a synergy of people. <laughs> <laughs> so explain to me, cause I'm, I'm trying to understand it. So Synergy, it, it's just, they're modules that once you get the platform, you can, buy these individual modules and yeah and have oh, that's okay so that's correct cool. and there'll be there'll be a, a two module 50 watt amp there'll be a um 20 or 30 watt amp i can't it's in 30 i think 30 watt amp that is um a one module slot but has a built-in clean channel um mm. so you can pick your dirty channel so to speak mm-hmm. and then there's a two channel single rack space like a preamp module and then the sin one which is like a little uh amp top box that you could add a preamp channel to your existing amp that already as long as your amp has an effects loop a series effects loop you could add this so you can literally add like another channel onto your amp Hmm. it'll switch between the preamp in your amp and the preamp of the the module Okay, so we got Gary Pedro saying it's three ninety nine per module because someone was asking what the Synergy amp pricing is. But mm-hmm. what's the base? What's the? Uh, I guess the. I guess they they have different. Like I don't have the pricing. Wattage. I don't have the. It's correct three ninety nine a module. I don't have the exact pricing that's going to happen mm-hmm. on the Sin two and Sin one, and I, I just yeah, don't yeah. know that off the top of my head. No worries. Um, all right, we got a good question from Timothy Pierce, even though I know we've talked about this before. But Dave, how did you get started with amps? Uh, it, it went way back to um, when, well, okay. All my life, no matter what I've gotten into, I learned, I would learn everything. When I was a kid, I got into bicycles, uh, b- racing BMX and things like that. And and I could rip down a bicycle, put it back together. I knew everything there was to know about it. I learned every little thing about it. That's just 
always the way I've been. So it's like the driving knowledge to know once you get into something to know everything about it. So, um, you know, as a young guitar player, I was, you know, trying to learn about rigs and things that people were doing back then, which was really hard because there was no internet then. And, um, and so learning about stuff like that was for like magazines and so much, much, much harder than today. Um, didn't have the avenues to learn as quickly. Um, but oh, I had, I was young. I had several amps modified from a couple different people in Michigan. One of them was Bruce Agnator. Later on, as I got into my career, I heard something he modified, uh, Soldano preamp, actually, that he modified, and that sounded amazing. And I was already doing building rigs by then for people. And I called him up and because I knew him from Detroit, I called him up and go, "Hey, we get we, we should do a preamp together," because preamps were very popular in the you know late '80s and early '90s, and uh, we should really do a preamp together. And uh, you know, here's my idea: four-channel preamp, clean, broken-up Fender like Super Reverb Deluxe, kind of broken up, Plexiish Marshall, and then a higher-gain version of that. And that was the concept for independent channels. So he proceeded to make a prototype based on some stuff we talked about. And then I proceeded to start to get into amps with him and kind of tweak on that prototype and try different things and improve the tone of it, get it, get it just right. And we became partners and went to market with that product. And, um, and that's really the start of the amp thing. I was trying to fiddle with stuff when I was a little younger too, but I didn't know enough yet. And I was lucky I didn't electrocute myself. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yes. So my mentor in learning about amplifiers was Bruce Eggmaner. And it's funny, we, I talked to Bruce about this, and, and he says the same thing, but his mentor on amplifiers was Paul Rivera. So it was like just down the stream, you know, and right. uh, and then that just snowballs. So once I'm into something, I start learning every source I can get, and and constantly learning. To this day, still learning, you know. Yeah, it's an, a constant, never-ending learning yeah, thing, right? Absolutely, just absolutely. Like it's it's unfortunately I don't have any hobbies. Um, <laughs> this is your hobby. It's my work is my hobby. Be that good or bad, that's my hobby, and that's the only thing I do. Well, and to this comment right here, someone said Dave's customer service is second to none, and there's a reason for that because you're always working. That's because I'm always on my phone, <laughs> and I can I always get back to people as fast as I can. Uh, you know, it's funny. You know? I was on Facebook, and there was someone who had mentioned that their amp who was five months old um their be was five months old uh and their power tube it, sa it sounded like one of their power tubes went out and i i said to them i'm like hey it definitely sounds like your power tube went out how old's your amp they were they wrote back five months old i said yeah you're gonna need to get that reset up you know rebiased re and uh get a new set of tubes probably bring it to attack and the next thing i know he wrote like five minutes later is like i heard from dave and he's sending me out a new set of a new set of tubes and i'm like well, now that's Freaking awesome on an amp that's five months old, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I try if it's not too far out of. I, yeah, that's nice. You know, three months technically what we have on tubes, but you know if it's a little bit over, you know, there's some there's some leeway there depending on what has happened and what what's going on. So, and also we really really have had we talked about last show or the one before that I can't remember the one before that I think. Um, you know, What's there's been kind of a rough time with EL EL34s lately for for us. So, um, I think we have it straightened out now. So I think we're good. Okay. Um, will there be a, ever a, a George Lynch signature model? No. There you go. Boom. Um, how did for you start the work with reasons that I'm not going to explain? <laughs> Love go. George, but no. There you go. All right. Uh, and Blues Leonard asked that question, and he also asked, "How did you start to work with Eddie Van Halen?" Um, a friend of mine that I used to do, uh, um, uh, that I used to work at at Andy Brower's Studio Rentals with Ma Matthew Brock, um got the gig of his personal assistant um, back way back uh, early, very early nineties. He, he got that job. And um, so I had met him then way back then when Matt was starting to work for him and stuff. Um, but I didn't do anything for him until 2000 and what tour was that? That was the last, Last little Sammy jaunt they did. Uh, 2004? 2004-ish or something like that, yeah. And um, Matt finally was like, hey, you know, we need this put together. Can you do it for us? And um, of course. <laughs> yes, of course I can. <laughs> um, you know, but, you know, that, that came with a whole... Uh, you have to really listen to what Ed wants. You really have to, he understands what he wants and he might have a way to do it. That might be a little unorthodox, um, but that's okay. You just have, just have to listen to him and, and, and just, and just take in what he has to say and not impart your own. Here's what I think you should do. No, he knows what he needs, wants to do. So it's your job to do it. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, I did it. So that's how that's how that worked out. I listened and did it. So what did you actually do? You built a rack. I built a whole or? a whole system for that tour for him, oh, and then cool. and then later um, later on another system, like when he did the start doing the Roth stuff again. So two thousand seven, right? Oh wait, later on another system, and then yeah. And then, and then you had another system. I think I, I, I've done three things for him over time. So there's a, um, in the guitar center, the two things in LA, there's his foot pedal, his floorboard. Yeah. That was off that tour. So you built that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's cool. So yeah. in the guitar center in LA, that's sitting there. Yeah. That's what you yeah. built. Yeah. That's I'm pretty sure. Cool. I'm pretty sure. I, I, I don't go to guitar center much, so. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the right, the one I built. Yeah. That was from 2007. It was the, yeah, Roth, that was, the, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. The Roth tour, For the sure. first one. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's super cool. I just saw that picture online. People are posting it all over the place. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's stay on for like another ten minutes, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Come. Um, that was a good question. Uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> uh, a friend, Pete Karuch, says, uh, "Would love for you to see my rig, my rig, Dave." Tell him, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a he's got a nice rig, uh, but they're they're all EVA champs. Um, uh-huh, they're not yeah. Freeman amps. I told I told him to get the the Freeman amps, but he's like, no, I'm an EVH guy, and uh, so he's got he's got the wet dry wet three cab whole thing going on with the. There you go. Well, that's cool. Yeah, it sounds it sounds monstrous. It sounds great. Great. Um, uh, let's see. Brian M. Let's see. Blinch is listing his Mr. Scary pickups on eBay tonight. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah. 2004. Someone wrote was an abortion of Van Halen's tour. Well, there. yeah. Well, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't good. It was, yeah, it was um, interesting. Yes. So, you know, what's interesting also is, I saw a video. Oh, I have you on to say this. It's funny. I, I don't think I've ever mentioned it to you. I saw a video when Ed had that party at his house. Oh, yeah, that party. Let me tell you about that party. Yes, I'm in that video <laughs> lighting his cigarette. Yes. I would, I would, I would, w- while he was playing with the band, the pickup band at that house, which was had um, Eric Dover singing um, and uh, a bunch of great players. Um, can't remember who all. Oh, uh, Derek Sherinian was on keyboards, and uh, I don't remember everyone that was in it, but it's a great band. But that party. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was that he did some music for uh, 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 a porno film. Like he did a couple songs, like Catherine and something else, mm-hmm. which I'm, I'm sure you saw the videos for, mm-hmm. um, and. And I think maybe I don't know for a fact, but maybe he was an investor in in the movie or something. I'm not exactly sure. Um, and uh, they hosted a party at at his house for the opening of the movie. And uh, best party I've ever been at too in my entire life. I, it really? was just, it was just surreal. It w- it was massive, and there were like multiple open bars everywhere. Like you had a mojito station and a margarita station and a, a full open bar, open bar for everything. And oh. Cirque du Soleil style performers going around. There was a pool slide into the pool with topless girls coming down. It's, it was like, it was totally surreal. Like they had these tea candles that lit up the whole um, back hill of his property that were out lit and uh it was crazy but with that came a crazy hangover (laughs) (laughs) let me tell you legendary actually uh it was sort sort of funny it was uh, yeah it was a crazy night and you know like i'm sure everyone has had that um you know wedding they went to that had an open bar and you just you just get one too many drinks because it's free, you know? And, um, 
I'm taking advantage of, of this. Yeah, it's, it's taking advantage <laughs> of it, but then that, that can lead to just chaos, <laughs> you know, especially if you're in the parting mood and you just keep going and then you real, before you know it, you go, oh, wait a minute, I've drank way too much. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, that's sort of how my now wife is was there with me and, uh, um, and, and a couple friends of ours. And... Uh, I mean, they were trucking people in for it. You know, they park at a different parking lot somewhere and they were busing them in for the party. Oh, wow. I mean, it was, it was like hundreds of people. I mean, like a couple, two, three hundred people, 300 people at least, maybe more. And um, all, in, all inside his house. In, inside his house and outside in the back property and stuff and around. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, uh, yeah, took it too far. Way took it too far. I remember leaving, kind of, and I remember he w- he was playing uh, in in his front like foyer. I guess not foyer, but for, there's a front room to his house. He had a grand piano in there, big ceilings, and there's a staircase that goes upstairs. And mm-hmm. and and he was sitting there playing piano, and I'm like, wait, wait, wait! I want to watch this because yeah, I'd never actually seen him sit down and play a piano before. Right, and he was doing this. Meanwhile, there's a girl swinging in a trapeze above the piano. This is totally <laughs> like surreal, you know what I mean? And right, and then, uh, right. and then we finally, you know, it was great, and we finally left. And and uh, apparently, I uh, tripped down the stairs out front <laughs> and grabbed onto a planter to hold myself, which I broke the planter. And. <laughs> and <laughs> But and then I walked to the car. Evidently, right. All I know is I woke up the next day. Right, we got a hotel real close by, so it was like right down the street. So, um, uh, and I wasn't driving. But uh, we woke up the next day in the hotel. I went up to you know get up to go to the bathroom. Right, your head is about you're gonna explode. Your, you know, someone your truck is sitting on your head and you're just like dying. And I go and I step down on my feet to walk to the bathroom. And I'm like, ow. <laughs> Evidently, I twisted my ankle. Oh, but at that no. point in time, I didn't really remember it. Or I didn't really know when I did it. Um, didn't feel it. I didn't feel it at the time. Yes. And, uh, but the me- I'm just hobbling and hopping to the bathroom. My head's throbbing. <laughs> you know, like, That's brutal. So you're trying to hop to the bathroom where your head's throbbing. It's not good. And no. uh, and then I'll never forget. I mean, like we're we're leaving the next day, and and we're, we're going to get some breakfast in the in their cafe at the hotel, and and I'm sitting at the table, and I wasn't so sure what was going to happen with this breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was just like kind of queasy, and I'm like going, "This is either going to really help me, or it's not <laughs> right. at all." You know, it's going to come right back up, and. Uh, Fortunately, it stayed down, and it, and it did help me a bunch. Yeah, but, uh, and then we wow. we drive home, and and uh, we get out of the car, and I'm limping, and and my wife is going really slow also because she's just as bad. And um, our daughter, my daughter, is in the house. She's like 16 or something at the time, and and she she goes, she was just laughing her ass off at us. Because we're just like limping up to the door and she's watching us. And she goes, <laughs> And she oh knew what you were God. doing the night before. Yeah, she just was laughing her ass off. So That's uh, funny. 
That's my story of that party. But it was a great party. I don't yeah. regret. I don't regret a minute of it. I wouldn't either. That's a it great was experience. well worth it. So. <laughs> and that video is classic too. As yep. the band is playing, and I just see he's like got the cigarette dangling in his mouth, and you could tell like everybody's like, "You got to get that thing lit." <laughs> you're just like, "Boom!" You're right there, right yep. behind the amp. Yeah, which is cool. we had this. Yeah, the cigarette lighter on the side. Yep. So, Very funny. That was good. Uh, that was good. That is good. Um, all right. So Blues Leonard said, "Thank you. Awesome." Uh, let me see if there's any. Did you put money in the tip jar, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember there being a tip jar. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you this much, though. So, so I was, I was like, kind of teching for him to do this little three-song thing he did or something, you know. And, um, and uh, but I was invited to the party, so my wife came and all that. So they're off having a good time while I'm doing this whole thing, right? So by the time I'm done with the uh, performance, right, with him, I'm brutally sober, and all my friends are gone. They're wasted already. And I'm like going, okay, I really got to catch up here. Because <laughs> you guys are annoying me already. <laughs> right, exactly. I got to get on your level. I got I to gotta, I gotta get on the level, which, yeah, which was, yeah, well, it, that happened quickly. That's funny. So. Um, let's see. Let's take one, one or two more questions and then we'll, uh, end the night. Cause I'm tired. It's been a long day. Um, oh, yeah. even longer somebody, for your kid. Yeah. Well, hopefully he's in bed now, but, uh, let's see. Um, as a follow up, what are your thoughts about supplying YouTubers gear to demo review helpful or not? Hmm. Like, uh, oh, here's the question he was going, uh, Dave, are you going to be represented at the guitar con, GitCon, that uh, Henning Pauly is putting on? Have you heard about that? Rep, you know, I know about that. I know from Henning. Um, uh, represented. That's a good question. Um, I, I'm not going to that because a month later, um, I'm going to uh, – um, the music productiva dealer in Germany puts on a show um, every year. And supposedly a month later, I'm going to be going to that. So I'm not making two trips to Germany uh, yeah. within two months of each other. Within, you know, one, one at the end of one month and one, you know, two weeks later or something um, that doesn't work. Um, so am I represented there? Good question. I don't know. I know maybe maybe something but not like a representative per se mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah well maybe you can have an amp or two there yeah maybe that might that might happen so yeah yeah no it sounds cool i told henning also i'd love to be there next year so maybe we can be there next year um yeah 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 i might consider that next year i know i know p thorne's going um mm -hmm. um and a whole bunch of other youtubers are going so to answer the other question, though, is is the YouTube YouTubers uh, uh, to give them gear or get gear to them for reviews helpful? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, yes, sure, it's helpful. Uh, we kind of choose who does our stuff by the channels that we like, and actually, there's a lot of other channels that we like that we haven't had gear done with yet. Also, um, it's just like 
who do you choose and how many do you need and and what it depends yeah it's helpful of course it's helpful yeah i, I think it does um yeah. i mean you know you go you go back to the days where you'd read a magazine and just read like a review of a, of a pedal and you're yeah. like it really yeah it's great they give it a good review and they say it's great pedal but i can't hear it right yeah. so now you got this benefit of being able I to mean, hear we the do, pedals. you know, we mostly have been doing uh, 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 Henning Pauly and Pete Thorne, mm -hmm. and we're going to start doing some stuff with Sean Tubbs, and um, who's a, who's another great player um, out of Nashville. Um, uh, I know uh, uh, Brett Papa has been doing some Papa Stash or whatever has been doing some stuff with us. Um, a few others we'll probably be doing stuff with also. Hmm. Cool. Cool. All right, let's take one more question. Um, oh, we got a lot of thanks. Uh, truly enjoyed this. Thank you. Great show, guys. See you at Win and Nam, Dave. That was uh, Scott Miller. Hey, Dave um, Black finally signed in and said hi. Did he? Yep, I finally see it at least. I don't know how long ago that was. 541, <laughs> there it is. A while hey, ago. Dave. <laughs> Uh, hey, Dave. That was a while ago. Thanks for joining in. Um, so let's see. Was there anything else that I wanted to ask? Uh, or let's see. Any other questions? Do you see any other questions? Uh, I'm looking. Um, someone said they're so excited for Synergy. Uh, we got one question from Brian M. Could you take a runt? and then add a dirty Shirley module with their one slot unit and have the best of both worlds. Yes, you can. Absolutely. Hmm. So yeah, you could just get the sin one and, and do it with a runt and have it totally. Hmm. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm going to see if there's anything else. Someone wrote, vintage teas are hot, hot, hot on fire, they wrote. Ah, uh, yep. They are not They are nice, man. They are nice guitars. Um, I think that's about it for right now. Um, we got a lot of people watching, 77 people watching. So yeah, wow. uh, thank good, you. Good turnout. Thank you, guys. Oh, yeah. At one point, it was almost 100 people who are tuning in, which is great. You know, uh, can't thank you guys enough. Do me a favor, please. Hit the subscribe button, all you guys who are watching. Uh, subscribe to the channel. Check us out. We'll have more artists on the show. Um, hit the thumbs up also if you can. Um, and we, we're planning on having a lot of a lot more people coming on the show, obviously. Uh, some more artists. Uh, Bruce Egnator. We're, we're talking about John Soar coming on. Um, a whole bunch of people. So Yeah, some more artists, we'll too, that we'll probably get in here, too. Yep. Yep. Um, so like I said, please hit the subscribe button. That's important. I want you guys to come back. Really appreciate it. And, uh, anything else, Dave, from your, from your end? No, I think, I think that's, that's it. I didn't see any other questions in the thing really. Um, uh, t-shirts. Uh, Hey guys, I'm trying to work out the t-shirt thing right now. So be patient. Um, are you backlogged on t-shirts? I don't, I don't have any currently. I'm out right now, but we were supposed to do it through our website and we haven't, we haven't yet. So eventually they'll be on our website. If they don't wind up on our website, they'll wind up on a big cartel site that I might open myself. 
Hmm. So that's cool. And speaking of t-shirts, guys, if anybody wants Tone Talk t-shirts, uh, message me on Facebook or send me a message at tonetalkmark at gmail.com. Uh, I'm going to put in an order soon for t-shirts, black and gray. Uh, they're going to be a little bit different than this. Uh, it's going to say Tone Talk like this. Uh, the black is going to be inverted with the colors, um, and it might have my name and Dave's name on it as well. And on the back, it'll have a YouTube logo which I thought would be kind of cool, like a little logo on the back. So, um, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to get that going sometime soon. So if you guys are interested, again, tonetalkmark at gmail.com. Hit the subscribe button. Thank you guys for a great night. Um, It was awesome having Steve on. Dave, thanks for getting him on. We appreciate it. Yep. Hey, there's one quick question I'll answer for someone here. Uh, I'll I'll force one. can you make a, a effects loop on a BE100 foot switchable? Uh, it is possible. Um, so uh, if you want to do something like that, uh, hit me up at friedmanamps at gmail.com and we can talk more about it. Yeah, that'd be cool. That actually is a nice feature to have, I have to say. Mm, sometimes. It depends. Uh, it, 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 it's cool if you're going to keep your piece of gear back at your amp, but other than that, I mean, I don't, it doesn't, I don't really see the point. And this is from a guy that does rigs. Really? I mean, tell, say, say that again. Why, why you don't think it's that great? Well, it's not, it, it, it just doesn't really, I mean, you don't really have to do it. It's really, you're not losing anything by running your cable to your board and back. Um, you're really sort of doing accomplishing the same thing if you're keeping the piece on your board. Now, it's a different story. Like this guy particularly said he wanted his pedal on top of his amp and just to kick it in and out. If you want to do that, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's kind of how I do it because I, I have typically have the amp, the uh, pedals just sitting on top of my amp in the loop. Yeah. And then everything else, everything else that's up, up front would be in front of me. You need a proper pedal board, Mark. I know. <laughs> I know a guy. I do. I think I, yeah, I know. I, I think I can connect. <laughs> I know a guy. <laughs> That's true. Um, let me see. Were there any, oh, Phil X. Someone said, hopefully you'll, you'll get Phil X on the show. Yeah, hopefully yeah, we yeah. will. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we, I can get Phil for sure. Um, Los Angeles dealers for guitars, Blues Leonard said. My God, there's so many in L.A.? It's got to be a for ton. Guitars? There's no one. Tone merchants. Us. Lost me. Oh, you mean for, for your guitars? For my guitars, yeah. Oh, okay, I thought you meant just in general. Yeah. I thought this person was no. saying Los Angeles dealers for guitars. Okay. No. Uh, uh, we we have we have some examples at Tone Merchants of of the guitars. Um, are they the exact models you can buy? I mean, we have samples here, really. So if you want to try one and listen to it, yeah, but then we can do a custom order for you. Mm-hmm. Who was the first artist you worked with? Someone asked Scott Miller. Wow. Very first artist with amps yeah. or with, with um, rigs. I think he's just saying in general, like maybe your very first exposure with an artist working with them. I don't know if I can remember the first one, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you, a, a relatively early one was Dan Huff. 
um, and a lot of studio guitar players at the time. I, I, I had done a rig for Dan Huff when he was doing the band Giant, if that goes back or rings a bell to anyone. Hmm. Not but, to but, me. But that wouldn't be the very first one, but um, it will ring to a bunch of people. Um, that probably wouldn't be the first one, but I can't quite remember the first one. So, hmm. Okay. Um, okay, and then let's see. The first time I heard Guthrie Govern was in a clinic video he did at Tone Merchants. That's cool. Yep, yep. That's going back maybe a decade. That's hmm. going back a long time, yep. Someone wants to know if they can cook a steak on their brown eye. Uh, I think you can. Just turn it up to 10. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be fine. Uh, Oh, Dan Huffs is a monster, Mark Day says. Yep, yep, yep. I'll have to look him up. Uh, All right, cool. Well, guys, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you. Thank you very much, everybody. Again, hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button. Come back. Uh, in two weeks, we'll have another show. Check us out also on Facebook. Look us up, Tone Talk. Uh, and um, I don't have the address to it, but just look up Tone Talk. It should come up uh, for our fan page. And uh, you can get updates that way. Also on Twitter, um, you can look us up as well. All right. Have a great weekend, guys. Dave, All right, show guys. one second. And yep. uh, we'll talk to you. See you later, guys. <laughs>